welcome to Open House, a property podcast focusing on the Geelong market. I'm Damien Ratcliffe and each week Open House will bring you an expert with experience in the current Geelong market to help you make your next property purchase or sell your next house. And our next guest is Dale Whitford, Director of Whitford Property. Dale, welcome to Open House. Damien, thank you. What a privilege to be here with you. Oh, that's very kind of you uh, to join us on this uh, this startup experiment. Tell us a little bit about your journey. You've been... Uh, in the industry for a long time now, and and now you've got a property, a property real estate business in your own name, which is uh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, it has its ups and its downs. <laughs> uh, this is my thirtieth year in real estate, and uh, started in Melbourne, and uh, as a salesperson became a sales manager, and ended up buying the business within two years of starting. So it was a bit of a meteoric start, and the learning curve was very steep. Uh, that was in Essendon, and then I moved over to Bayside, Melbourne. Uh, had a few agencies over there. Then I worked for developers like Central Equity, uh, Brady Property in Melbourne, and uh, then did, decided to do the sea change. And we moved down to Aries Inlet, Fairhaven, and bought a hotel to get out of real estate. Right. And anyway, a year later, I was back in it and um, became a partner at Great Ocean Road Real Estate in Lawn, uh, down on the, on the west coast there. So we had offices in the different towns along the coast from Apollo Bay through to Anglesey. And um, I decided that I'd like to go to Geelong because Geelong's a very nice place, but it's very quiet. Mm-hmm. Only so many waves you can ride and golf balls you can hit. And uh, so I moved into Geelong and I worked for another company for a while as a CEO and then went to another company on contract and then I thought, what am I going to do now? So I decided to start my own business again and this is where we're sitting right now. So it's the first business that I've owned with my name on it. Usually it's been in partnership with other people mm-hmm. and I do have a business partner here, John Moran, but yeah, it's... Uh, putting a name on something has its perils and its pluses, so nothing's perfect. What are the perils? Uh, people want to talk to you <laughs> uh, about everything and anything. You know, the garbage bin's full or whatever, that comes back to you, which is okay, but when you have a, a different name on the company to your own name, often people don't associate the two as directly. Sure. But it works in other areas. So. Yeah, there'd be the positives too. Absolutely. Was real estate a passion of yours before you got into the business side of it, I guess? Yeah, very much. Yeah, I, um, how I got in, I, was, I used to be a teacher once upon a time. I was a phys ed teacher and teachers have a bit of spare time. Teachers listening will hate that. But, um, <laughs> and I was playing in rock bands when I was young and the guys I played in bands with were carpenters. I learned to be a carpenter and I learned to renovate houses and we were buying and selling houses. So I got to know some real estate agents and they said, oh, you'd be good at this. And um, I don't know how right they were, but uh, 30 years on, you know, we're, we're still doing it and it's been good fun. It's, it's a really interesting industry, I think. You know, you've got to have a passion for it. You can't do it. You know, a lot of people say, oh, with a BMW, you're going to wear a nice suit. That washes off pretty quickly. Yeah. You've got to really love it, genuinely love it to stick in it, I think. Sure. So how long have you been as a business now as Whitford Property? Uh, nine years as Whitford. And uh, prior to that, running other businesses in Geelong, but yeah, this is um, my only business in Geelong that I've owned. Sure. What's the mantra of Whitford to separate itself from its opposition? Uh, a lot of our competitors are franchise businesses, so they you know they operate under a name that might be throughout Melbourne or Victoria. We don't do that. I've, I've only ever worked for one franchise and I didn't enjoy it. Not to say it's not a valid model, but I don't like, uh, I suppose, the accountability to a larger group. You know, I, I like it when guys might come in and say, hey, Dale, I've got this idea. And we go, yeah, that's a good idea. And we can implement it straight away. 
Whereas with the larger groups, often you have to run it through the board and, you know, three, three or four or five months later or a year later, it's a great idea, but it's already happened, you know. So there's that. So we're, we're called a boutique agency. So we're, we're a one office, uh, not a network, which is one office, solitary office. And uh, the, the thing I like about that is you can be nimble. Uh, you know, everyone knows what everyone's doing. So there's great communication, which is good for our clients. So they know immediately things that are happening rather than you know, convoluted sort of communication processes and things like that. So, yeah, we, we, we were geared up to sell higher-end properties. We sell all properties, but we have a real focus on higher-end and uh, we have a real focus on Newtown, Mid City, Geelong. Sure. Okay, so I was going to ask that about being picky with properties. Are there properties that you knock back and say this isn't quite for our brand? Um, yeah, sometimes we refer on to others. So um, if it was a... Thank you. If it was a, uh, a property that might not be in our core area or maybe we couldn't do justice to it, we always look at it from the vendor's point of view and say, are we the best agent for them in this regard? So we've often uh, referred our clients who might have a property that doesn't sit within our area, we'll often refer them to someone who we think is very good in that area so that they, they're well represented. You know, it's a, we've sold some stuff in Melbourne and in Noosa and places like that which is unusual, but if someone said, oh, look, I've got something in Mordialic to, to sell, well, you know, let's, let's find the best agent in Mordialic and we'll refer you on to them, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. So if, if I said that I did a search on realestate.com on properties selling over a million dollars and Whitford was selling more than, more than most, that's, uh, that'd be something that you're happy about? Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do that search? I did, yeah. Good. Great. Yeah, well, that, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. And that's what we, that, that's a market we love. Probably you know yourself, don't you? When you when you really like something, it's easy to do. Yeah, for sure. And we really like nice homes, and and a, and a press, premier home or a prestige home doesn't necessarily mean it's over a million dollars. Uh, it often does, but not all the time. And uh, I think if you can sell something that you really love, it comes across, and you find extra momentum and extra energy to represent you that you've been in that regard. And the buyers get that sense too. Because uh, if you're selling a lot of that upper end stuff, you can say to people, well, this one just sold for that, that one just sold for that. And people like to be educated as a buyer because I don't know how you find it, but when you buy something, you want to be well sold. Yeah, for sure. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah, you go and buy a car, you do your research, and uh, you know that the deal you've got is a fair deal rather than looking over your shoulder for the next three months thinking, gee, did I pay too much? So I think it works well that the product knowledge or the, yeah, the product knowledge, the market knowledge is very important. It's fairly specialised too at that end. Sure. Even, even so though, you'd have properties that sell well and properties that aren't selling well in a particular market. Are there yeah. properties that are doing really well right now that are separate from, from the ones that aren't performing? Yeah, because of the, as you know, as we're talking now, it's just after the, uh, the Royal Commission into finance and banks and so on. So mortgage lending is a lot tighter than it has been. Uh, there's a bit of uncertainty about with a federal election coming up from an investor base, you know, what will happen if, if um, Labor gets in, which they're widely touted to get in, uh, with the changes to negative gearing, all that sort of stuff. So we're seeing some rumblings from investors, landlords saying, you know, maybe it's time to sell because they're uncertain about whether those tax benefits are going to be current for them. So there's that part of it. Then there's the, I reckon the market, the loaded mid-market 
So, you know, from zero up to, say, 750 is a, is a more difficult market right now because they're finding, most people are finding it a little harder to get bank approval. Right. Whereas anything upper end is still very strong, still very solid. And uh, those people have maybe personal bankers, that sort of thing. It's a little easier maybe for them to secure funding. So that, those parts of the market are pretty strong. But I, just before meeting, I've just been in Melbourne meeting yeah. with one of the directors at a large uh, agency down there, um, Kate and Burton. And he was telling me that, you know, the, their market in Melbourne, it's, it's harder, but the good properties, the A-grade properties, are still A-grade properties. Yeah. And that's very much the same here. We've, instead of having three or four buyers at auction, there's one or two. Uh, the the A-grade properties are still A-grade. The difference between us in Melbourne and Melbourne and Sydney is that our values have stayed pretty firm. The days on market have gotten longer mm-hmm. because of the finance thing. Instead of a 7 to 14-day finance clause, now it might be three weeks, maybe even four. So it's slowing things up a bit. Sure. Yeah, long answer to a short question. Sorry. Yeah, and, that's, <laughs> and more specifically, you were talking about price range there, but what yeah. about types of houses or locations you feel yeah. find the houses that are walking distance to Packington Street are easier to sell than the houses that might not be or yeah. or, a, or a three bedroom, four bedroom, a four bedroom house is doing better than three bedroom houses. Are you True. seeing any of those sort of trends? Very much, yeah. So the I guess the overall trend would be the closer into the city, the more popular they are. Right now you mean? Yeah, definitely. And that's been happening for a while. And like give, use Newtown as an example, where we are sitting now at the, the, the Packington Street in the Newtown in the River End, this area used to, is called Chilwell, it used to be called Chilwell, Chilwell Primary Schools here. Uh, that area years ago was a little bit looked down on as the poor relation to up on the hill, you know, Virginia Street, Buckland Avenue, um, those sort of streets, Laurel Bank Parade. They were the jewel in the crown. That was where the big money was spent. Over the last five or six years particularly, we've seen this area in Chilwell really blossom. So now land down here is probably worth more per square metre than up on the hill. And we put that down to a lot of Melbourne people coming in. And they're saying, this is really cool. I like this strip, you know, coffee and eating outside and stuff like that. Near the footy ground, you can walk into town near the river. So there's those changes. In terms of the house size, the family size homes, both in property management, so rentals, and in sales are always in demand. So if you've got a four or five bedroom house, maybe six, a lot of demand because it's scarce. The three bedroom stuff, downsizes generally will probably go for, uh, like a townhouse or an apartment or a villa. Uh, yeah, there's a, it's wide open, but yeah, the, the bigger family homes are still very popular, and especially in Newtown on the bigger blocks. People often want that larger block because they are a bit more scarce, you know. Sure. One of my observations over the last few months is that houses that need a bit of work are, are probably not getting the buyers that they would. People right now are, are you know, looking for a house that they can walk straight into and don't have to touch. Would that be fair or do you have a different opinion on that? No, I, I reckon you're right on the money there. The, I think everyone's so time poor now and building costs are through the roof uh, and then getting funding for that isn't as easy as it was. So that pushes people back toward something that's fully renovated and something they can just move in and sit down and they can keep their careers or the family life, whatever's busy for them, they can keep that ticking. The the unrenovated houses, and there's less of them because of the courtesy of shows like The Block, everyone's a renovator, everyone's a developer. 
and uh, with, with different levels of success. But people overall, people are prepared to pay a premium for a property that they can just move into, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. For sure. And there's a micro, not a micro market, that's a bit too hard, but there's a smaller market for the unrenovated houses. And probably the more entrepreneurial people are going in there and buying those, doing the work, and then selling it into the market who will appreciate and pay for you know, the renovation. Sure. What about those period-style homes? Are they character homes always going to sort of do well? Character homes are very popular, yeah. The, um, in these streets, of course, around here, a lot of it's heritage overlay. So people are often stuck with that architecture, like they might buy an old dilapidated home, so you'd love to knock it down and build a new home. Very hard to. The council's quite big on the heritage um, property remaining. And when you, it, it works both ways. So lovely character homes, beautifully renovated. Yes, a big pull in the market. If you've got a, a property, we sold one a while ago in Prospect Road, and it was very unusual in that it was vacant land. We had amazing interest in that because of the openness of the site. You could do build what you wanted to, subject to council approval, as everything yeah. is. But you could build new. A lot of people really like that, so they flocked to that. So because it's the heritage stuff's locked up, the market, anything that comes up that isn't uh, under that uh, auspices is really popular too. Sure. Mm -hmm. I went to a house in Geelong West on the weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that character home that you speak of renovated, mm. but it actually got passed in at auction, didn't get a, a, a bid. Is that Hope Street? It was. Yeah. And do you think people are more picky about size now? Is the smaller box aren't doing as well as they might have done last year in the peak? Yeah, well, it's 308 square metres, that one. Yeah. And I thought, I had a look at that house. We, we weren't selling it. I had a walk through it. And I thought, yeah, it's tidy, isn't it? Hmm. You know, structurally it appeared to be okay. North facing backyard, side drive, really good street. Yeah. I reckon more it's more about the banks, the funding. Because that house, I think the reserve on that house now is five eighty nine. And that house uh, six months ago would have been six fifty to seven. Geelong West is the marketplace right now that probably imitates Melbourne the most because Geelong West had really big increases in value. And they were still selling stuff there at very good numbers. But this, that, the houses in, in that price range, that sort of five to seven fifty, they're harder to get for people to get their money. So there's less competition at auction. And as you saw, I wasn't there for the auction, but as you saw, there was no bidding. Yeah. And we have the one next door, which is being sold today. And we, ours is unrenovated and it will sell for probably the similar money to the one next door, which is, and the reason being that it's got more upside in the long run because it's a, it's a more elegant facade. The person that's looking to buy it wants to develop, add the value, then sell it off as a fully completed item, which will probably be worth about 1.2, 1.25. And that market, as I said before, is disproportionately more healthy than the market he's buying in. So a very astute observation on his behalf. Sure. So Geelong West then is attracting investors, are you saying? That they're, they're willing to buy something that might be below the median or they can add capital yeah. capital to, whereas Hope Street, for example, yeah. it, renovators already done it, willing to sell it. Mm. An investor might not want to buy something where there's no, that capital growth isn't there anymore. No value add. I guess if you're a straight out investor that you just want to buy something, put it away and let it rent, that property you mentioned, Hope Street's a beauty. Yeah. Because it's very tidy. Yeah. If you want to go in and you want to add value as an investor, Stroke developer, if you like, 
then there's upside in, in the other one. So it depends on which stream you want to swim in. Sure. Mm. What does a normal week look like for you? <laughs> um, long. The, one of the things with our industry is that it's uh, certainly not nine to five. Uh, it's certainly six days a week at minimum, if you want to be good at it and you want to do well and service your client base well. The, the time is good, the flexibility in time is really good. And all of our guys here, we don't have anyone in sales here who's been in real estate for less than 10 years. So the range is 10 to 30 years experience, which, so the guys know, I shouldn't say the guys, we have females as well, the guys and the girls, they know how to structure their time. Because if you're working and doing seven o'clock appointments in the evening, you don't necessarily want to be here at eight o'clock in the morning. So you've got to spread your time around a bit, um, plan your time, ideal weeks, all that sort of thing. Uh, but it's, there's a lot of face-to-face, which I really like. With clients, you mean, vendors? Very much, yeah, and buyers. Yep. And the way the market's turned a little bit, changed a bit now, um, there's going to be more and more face-to-face with buyers with, for good agents. Because it's all about building trust and rapport, and you're not mis- not misleading the trust. You're very much doing it on a, the right basis, so that people have the confidence to make the decision. And buyers are very, very important in the marketplace right now. Probably more important than they were a year ago, even though they were they were always important to do a deal, but there were mm-hmm. more of them. Yeah, sure. So it's going back to old school. You know, maybe putting people in cars and driving around and showing stuff, and just the service levels have to ramp right up, right up. Because, you know, a year ago, <clears throat> excuse me, when the market was flying, you know, you'd have five, six, seven bidders at an auction. Mm. It's pretty easy. Yeah. But right now, it's, the pendulum swung from a boom market to what I consider to be a normal market. Not a buyer's market, not a seller's market, just mm-hmm. evenly poised. So the, the good houses will always sell well and the average ones might underperform at this stage? Yeah. What, what I've seen over the years is, um, and I, I started in 89, so I was there, had the joy of working through the recession we had to have in the early 90s, you know, 17-18% interest rates. And what I saw was that A-grade property is always A-grade, mm-hmm. but B and C-grade properties in a boom get buoyed up to A-grade. You know what they say, a rising tide raises all boats. Mm-hmm. But when the market subsides a bit, when the tide goes out a bit, B and C go back to B and B and C. So the key with it is, is always to try and buy A, isn't it? Yeah. If you can afford it. Or, you know, if it suits you where the location is. So yeah, it's sort of interesting. It's sort of interesting, but the cycle's the same every time. This a year to buy A-grade properties, do you think? Always. <laughs> always buy A-grade. But if you, if you buy B or C, that's fine, but don't buy it in a boom market because mm-hmm. you're going to comparatively overpay. And because if it's probably a bit like buying on a main road. You buy on a main road, you buy at a price. When you sell, you're selling on a main road, you're going to sell at a price. Yeah. So, but sometimes the main road property can be buoyed by a boom market too. So for timing's sure. everything, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. If you can pick it, you're better than me. So going back to a normal week for you, will you have a Monday board meeting and go through the properties that sold and the properties you've got and any data? What's the data you look at, that sort of thing? Sure. So on a Monday morning, we have a meeting for about half an hour. We try not to have too many meetings because... Um, it, it's not much fun for everybody. So we have a meeting, we do our housekeeping, mop up from the weekend, what happened there, what's coming up next week, what have we got in advertising, uh, what new listings are coming on, what offers do we have. We talk about all the properties that we, we're selling and um, any other information that might be useful. So other agents' results, for example, 
We'll discuss those, so we'll analyse those. Are they good? Are they not good? Uh, how do they compare with what we're doing? Uh, so that when we talk to our clients, we can give them a full picture, not just the Whitford picture, because mm-hmm. obviously we don't operate in isolation. Yeah, so you're looking at the opposition going to open houses from, from the opposition and look at auctions? Or? Sometimes, yeah. 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 Sometimes drop in and say hello if it's a property that might be interested in and you know, just to see how it compares with maybe one we're selling. Yeah, it's good to do. Uh, go to auctions and have a look if we've got time to see what other auctioneers are doing because you're always trying to sharpen your game. Uh, often go to Melbourne and see what auctioneers are doing down there. So after that, we have a training meeting every Wednesday from 9 till 10. And uh, otherwise, they're all the meetings we do on a formal basis, and we don't really need to do any others. Some, some agencies still do this thing called a caravan, where they go and look at all the properties that have been listed. We don't do that, uh, because you lose a half a day or a day, and what we do is, instead, is we, when we have photo, a photo shoot, everybody gets invited to the photo shoot, you go and have a look at it, and then you go off and talk to your respective clientele, rather than sitting in a car all day eating donuts and drinking coffee and talking rubbish. Yeah, for sure. To be. So what data are you looking at? You mentioned uh, days on market. You're looking at auction clearance rates. Yeah, absolutely, all of those things. So we look at days on market because when we talk to our vendors or potential vendors, we want to be able to give them a guide as to how that's going to sit for them and see how it works for them in their um, selling position if they might have to be interstate uh, in a hurry. Uh, so we try and work around that and work out how days on market might affect that. We talk about... Uh, we don't talk about median prices so much because they're, in my view, they're a bit meaningless. Uh, we use uh, CoreLogic RP data stuff all the time for comparable sales analysis, that sort of thing. Uh, we look at our list-to-sell price ratio, so that, which nicely runs at 99% right now. So if we tell you your house is worth 100000 on average, we'll deliver 99. So you try and be accurate mm-hmm. in that regard. So when it's, if it starts to drop under... You know, 99, 98%, we've got to look at our values and how we're interpreting values. So we give our clients the best advice. Because there's not much value, is there, in telling someone, look, your house is worth half a million dollars and, you know, it falls over at 450. Mm. 50,000 a lot of money, 10% off, you know. So those sort of things we look at. Uh, We look at, as I said, other agents' results because it's just we're we're in that market. So we're not, as I said, not operating in isolation. Uh, We look at... um, Within the company, we look at how long individual salespeople are taking from list to sell, because if, if a person is lagging behind, then they might need to change their way they're acting or the way they're doing their business, because they might not be acting as well as they could be for that vendor. So we, we, do, we have those internal KPIs as well. So we keep track of uh, you know, advertising spends. We look at budgets for advertising and say, well, this has worked. So this is a good campaign to, to suit this property. So we often show clients uh, advertising campaigns, I guess, for properties that are similar to theirs that have sold and sold well. As they say, success leaves clues. Yeah. So we use those clues. What sort of marketing strategies are you using? Obviously, GT and realestate.com. Yeah. So the, it's, it's really broad now. When we sit in here and we do a presentation with a prospective client, the presentation will take an hour, hour and a half just going through the marketing tools. So we've got digital, so we've got the, as you said, realestate.com, domain, homely, those sort of sites, so we, we slot those in. We've got print, so we, we aim at print. A lot of people say, oh, print's dying. It isn't in Geelong. Print's very strong in mm-hmm. Geelong. I think it's, what is the longest standing newspaper in Australia, isn't it? 
176 years. Yeah. Advertise it. And GT is the strongest day of the week. And people still read it. And so digital gets the active buy where they're saying, I want to buy a house. I want to be in Newtown. I want this, I want that. And they go online and look at it. Mm-hmm. Be like, I want to buy a car. Go to car sales. The GT magazine works really well, particularly in the upper end, I find, because there's a lot of what we call passive buyers. They're not actively looking. Happy where they're living, uh, but if they're having a coffee, flicking over the pages, this is a ritual, isn't it? And on Saturday morning, they'll go, gee, this looks all right. I'm happy where I am, but that looks like I could be happier there. Mm. And we sell a lot of high-end stuff off that. Sure. Because they don't know what they don't, they don't know they want it yet. But there it is, and gee, it looks good. Uh, social media. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, those sort of things. So we've got the you know, a budget for that. Uh, signage is still great. When I started 30 years ago, 15% of all of our sales came off signs. Same today. People drive these streets on the weekend, near the school. That's fantastic. Oh, isn't that pretty? Yeah. So signs still work well, brochures, you know, all that sort of stuff. There's a big suite of product. Sure. Mm. Been surprised with the capital growth in, in Geelong and in certain suburbs over, say, the last five years? Like- Geelong West or East Geelong, then probably doubled in price in five years. Yeah, been impressive, hasn't it? Yeah, I haven't been surprised. It's probably it's probably come of age a bit, Geelong. Um, I heard a number that there were 7,000 people came into Greater Geelong last year. 3,500 of those people were from within Victoria. 3,500 were from outside Victoria. Impressive numbers. Hmm. So that pushes house prices and values, doesn't it? Um, we're still undersupplied in Geelong, which is, I think, one of the things that's holding us up nicely compared to Melbourne and Sydney. We don't have that glut of apartments that, that they have, which are dragging down the sale numbers. Uh, I reckon that the, the Geelong market, like you look at Hamlin Heights, Hearn Hill, the other areas you mentioned as well, Belmont, outstanding performer, yeah. uh, Old Heighton particularly, amazing. So anything in a ring, any inner to middle ring, has been really strong, as you, some of them have doubled in those last three or four years. And then you get out to somewhere like, say, um, Newcomb, strong again, mm. uh, Leopold, those areas, very strong. Fineford, amazing. Yeah. Land selling there for twice the price, vacant land, for twice the price in only th- two or three years. So yeah, Geelong's a good place to put your money, I think, you know, yeah. from an investment point of view and an enjoyment point of view. Do you live in Geelong yourself? Yeah, well, I was just born in East Geelong and I live in Breakwater, so. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. a good place to be. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, lifestyle's great. Yeah. Do you know what I find, though? People like me who are the Johnny come late, it's like, I came in here, I came here in 89. Uh, sorry, in um, 1999. And I found that people from outside of Geelong, when they move here, value it a lot more highly than people who've been there their whole life. And the, it's sort of sad. Because they're living in a great place, but they don't, some of them, not everybody, some of them just don't really appreciate it. No, well, I grew, I grew up in Greenvale, which isn't Did far you? from Essendon, where, yeah, right. where you were, um, where you started out, and you know, an hour in the car home from work, working in Hawthorne, living in Greenvale, you get over that pretty quickly. Oh, don't you? Whereas you come to Geelong and you can you know, live in Breakwater like I do and work in the CBD, which is a 10-minute drive and a 15-minute walk and yeah. you can go to the beach on the weekend or... You're saving two hours a day in terms of your travel time. Without it's doubt. It's a lot of your life, isn't it? Yeah. And as you said about the beaches, well, we've got world-class beaches on our doorstep here. And a, you surprise the number of people I talk to who go to the house and I live here all their life. And you talk about, say, lawn. Oh, I've never been to lawn. Really? Never been to lawn. Fantastic. It's just here. Yeah. And people travel all around the world, can you? 
It's funny, isn't it? But um, yeah, we're, 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 we're blessed here. We really are. With our proximity to Melbourne, our proximity to the coast, uh, and just the, the natural beauty we have around us. It's a beautiful place to be. Are you going to be surprised if a house that's worth, say, 600 now is going to be worth a million in six years? Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But when you're sitting with a buyer, and you're maybe negotiating at the last 10 or 20, $30,000, and you're saying, look, you know, in seven to 10 years, on, on average, given history, excuse me, given history, um, is this is going to be worth twice what you pay for it. And they have real trouble uh, visualising that or imagining that. Even though they can see, they can track back over time that, that how, that's exactly what's happening with this property. And people are going to say wages aren't going up high enough. How, how is that possible? But you only have to look at Melbourne and Sydney and you know some of the big cities in America to see that banks are going to lend, lend to that money eventually. That's right. And, you know, in my lifetime, um, my working lifetime, you know, my, the, what I earn uh, has probably gone up by 10 times, given what I used to do if I was still doing that today. So wages have moved. We just probably don't notice the creep as much as we'd like. And the last few years have been pretty flat on wage growth, but it'll come as the economy improves and there'll be more money around for more people. And that means they can afford bigger mortgages and the house prices move. What advice do you have for sellers in this market? Uh, be realistic on value. Get a, get a few agents in. If someone's, it's the old, if it's too good to be true, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Thing. If, if you have, a, say you had three agents in and you can throw a blanket over the valuations they're giving you, you're probably, probably pretty accurate. Yeah. If you've got one that's starkly out, up or down, probably delete or ask them to substantiate it. An agent that walks into a property and just shoots from him and says, yeah, I reckon it's worth this, is probably not a good one to use. You want to see data. You want to see evidence of why it is worth that. Because people are intelligent. They can analyse it as well as anybody else. So that would be one. Be realistic about your expectations. Is it nearly too risky to compare a property from six months ago? Like, Yeah, it's a good point you raised. I think you can in different price ranges and in different locations. Some areas you might have to discount it off slightly. Yeah. Uh, and so, look, that was then, this is now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's horses for courses. And I think the agent you employ needs to have that knowledge and that expertise to be able to offer that. And the agent needs to be able to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Because if you're going to go down the track of marketing, the other point I'd make is to market it really well. If you're going to spend the money to do that, you're going to spend probably at the low end 3000 at the top end 10000 15000 mm-hmm. They generally seem to, for us, sit around six to 8000 in expenditure. That's considerable. So you don't want to be blowing that money, do you, by, by missing the market. So you've got to be, in terms of value, you've got to be, in selling it, you've got to be in the market, not on top of the market. Because if you're on top of the market, people vote with their feet, they won't come. They won't yeah. So there, there are two points I'd make. Be, be uh, realistic, market it like crazy. The other one is present it beautiful. Yeah. Furnish it well. We have an uh, interior designer that works with us, stylist, who comes in at no charge and will make it look absolutely brilliant if you want them to. Sure. As far as buyers, this is the year to buy? Yeah, I reckon it is. Um, I can't really see it. Look, I'm no 
um, guru on this, because if I was, I wouldn't be here talking. I'd be sitting in the Bahamas on the beach making <laughs> pina coladas. But based on my knowledge and experience, I would say that this is a good year because I love things that are anti-cyclic. When everybody wants to buy, good time to sell. Yeah. When everybody wants to sell, good time to buy. Warren Buffett being greedy, greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Exactly. So it's pretty easy, isn't it? But a lot of people subscribe to the herd mentality. So, oh, they're all doing it, so I feel safe doing it. So you might need to become a little bit more individualistic and, and think about it on that basis rather than, you know, Uncle Bert from Ballarat told me, don't, don't do anything because it's crazy. Mm. I'd, I'd be looking at it more analytically and maybe even employing someone to help you with it. So an advocate, for example. A buyer's agent. Yeah. So who can give you a intelligent, informed, expert opinion rather than a hysterical one that we, we're getting like in the media right now. The media's punching the hell out of the market. I don't know why. Six months ago, it was unsustainable. It's too high. How can anyone afford it? And yeah. it's on the skids. Well, really? It's got to be somewhere in between. Yeah. So you need balance. Can you? Could talk forever. Maybe we save the... Save more for a future podcast. <laughs> Dale, thanks for your time today on Open House. Thanks for tuning in to Open House. We've got more coming your way. Give us a follow on Instagram at Open House Podcast and on Facebook. And please remember, all advice is general in nature. If you are looking to purchase a home or sell a home, please seek professional advice.